Go ahead and be seated. We are glad you're here. If you're on campus or off campus, we are so delighted that you're with us. And we're continuing in our series, Next Level. And the premise of this series is simply this, is that no matter where you are, if you want to go to the next level, you have to, you have to connect to God in a deeper way. And the Bible teaches us we have to connect to one another as well. So it is like this pyramid that where we're connected to God, but we are connecting to one another in powerful ways. So with that in mind, let me just start with this premise. The church is not about just gathering a crowd, but building a community. And that is such an important element for you to understand. If you're just a church attender, meaning that I love you, I'm just, I'm just telling you I love you, but if you are just one of those people that walk in the door or turn us online and uh, you just, as soon as it's over, you can't wait to get your car and uh, I did my duty, I went to church, I, I, I did what I'm supposed to do. If that's you, there's a whole dimension of Christianity that you're missing. And it's, it's rich and it's powerful. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the richness of a community and what keeps us apart from each other and how we can solve that. And I'm excited to deliver this to you because I believe that it will be, for some of you, life-changing. And here's the bottom line. Connecting an authentic community is the will of God for your life. If you want to know what is God's will for my life, the answer is connecting an authentic community in authentic community. If you're not connecting, that you are, listen, I, I just want to say this, I don't mean to say it harshly, but if you're not connecting, you are spiritually dying. Because let me see if I can explain it to you this way. If my right arm was severed, it would die. It can't live. It can't live without being connected to the rest of my body. So with that in mind, when you are severed from the body, when you are separated from the body, it, it, there's spiritual death that's happening in your life. And I, I'm just going to say connecting in the truest biblical sense of the word is not as easy as it may sound. It is, it is a very difficult thing to connect in authentic community. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there are some barriers to spiritual life. There are some, bar some barriers to connecting. So what I want to talk to you today about, honestly, very simple things, is I want to talk to you about three simple barriers that keep you in isolation and keeping you, keeps you from experiencing the true riches that Christ has for your life in community. So the first barrier, let's just jump right into it. The first barrier is the idea the, of spiritual warfare. There is, whether you realize it or not, there is a spiritual warfare that goes on around you the minute you say yes to Jesus. The minute you say yes to Jesus, you have an enemy. And that enemy is described in Scripture as Satan. And, you know, maybe you don't believe in Satan, but the reality is, is that Jesus did, and Jesus was the creator of the universe. So he's the one that created him. So the truth is, is that he's alive and well, and he is the nemesis of Jesus. And if you are a Christ follower, he is your, he is your, he is your enemy from day one, and he is ruthless in what he does. So the first bar barrier is spiritual warfare. Let me show you that from the Bible. In Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Stop there. We're not fighting. Notice the word there. So there's a battle. There is a spiritual warfare that goes on that you and I cannot be passive. And there's no winning in a passive perception of this thing. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. The hard part about this enemy is I can't see him. 
If I can look at an enemy face to face, I know that I can run like crazy. I know I can fight like crazy. I know what to do. But I can't fight against an unseen enemy in a real clear way. So this is an unseen enemy. And uh, we fight against evil rulers and authorities of unseen, this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And the one prayer, listen to me carefully, the one prayer that Jesus prayed before he left the planet is this is what he said. On the day before, on the day before he was crucified, Jesus pray, I, prayed this, I pray for my followers that they would be one just like you and I are one, Father. So having said that, knowing that the will of the Father and the will of Jesus is for you and I to be one with him and one with each other, what do you think Satan is going to do about that? He's going to bring obstacles and warfare against us. We're going to talk about the solutions to that in just a few minutes, and there are some. God has given us some real strategy against that, but the reality is is that you and I, if we're going to connect, we've got to understand that there is obstacles, and therefore we have to engage in a battle. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Watch out for attacks from the devil. For your great enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. And I know you're probably like me, and I, I love to watch National Geographic, the television shows, and uh, they're fascinating to watch. And I'm probably sure that many of you have watched those shows, and you've seen like when a lion chases down a herd of some type of animal. And uh, so the question is, is that as a lion is doing that, what is the lion focused on? Is it the herd? Does the lion focus on the herd? The answer is no. The lion doesn't focus on the herd. The lion focuses on one straggler they get separated from the herd that's who the lion will go after and so it is in the christian life so the goal of the evil one listen to me very carefully the goal of the evil one is to separate you away from the flock of god away from the herd away from other believers so that you're vulnerable in so many different ways to his deception inside of your life this is a strategy of the evil one and it's a reality in our life and, it, and, it, and, you know, the reality is, as you watch it, a lion tack one of these weak animals, then we come back to the, our spiritual walk with Jesus. And the truth is, is that's exactly what Satan wants to do in our lives. And, and, and this separation can hap, happen subtly, slowly, but surely. The enemy separates you from those who can support you. Little by little, he steers you quietly away from dynamic, listen to me carefully, powerful spiritual relationships. And then what happens is we wake up one day and you look up and you're in trouble and you see the others in a, in a distance, but they're too far away to help you. That's how the evil one works in our life. That's why it's so essential for you to understand the spiritual warfare that happens in our life and it's so essential for you to understand the nature of the attack that the evil one does in the process of separating you out. And so I would just simply say, don't let this happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Connection and relationship require a conscious effort. It requires it requires work to maintain relationships, and they are essential for my well-being in Christianity. So what do you, this is a question I would have for you today, is that there's nobody that's exempt from what I'm just saying. Satan wants to separate you, and in the COVID era, it's really simple. Because the reality is, is that we're naturally separated. 
And for, you, for those of you watching online, listen carefully, you have got to work especially hard not to be in isolation because it's destructive to your soul. It really is, and it makes you vulnerable to the evil one's attacks. So I have to make a conscious effort. So my question to everyone is what steps do you need to take to overcome your separation? What do you need to do to attract to be attracted to other believers, what do you need to do to connect to them? And let me ask you some specific, some specific questions. Do you have a mentor in your life? Do you have somebody that is more mature than you that when you are in trouble you can call? Do you have somebody that's kind of side by side with you that knows Jesus that you're walking in life with? So where are you? It's, I'm telling you, what doesn't work in the Christian life is isolationism. What doesn't work is the Lone Ranger approach to the Christian faith. It doesn't work. And so you've got to figure out whatever you have to figure out to make sure that you don't get in isolation. And I'm, I'm telling you, some of, for some of you, especially my introvert friends, smile at me if you're introverted. For, for my introvert friends, I'm like, I'm like making you drink poison right now. Because you're thinking, are you stinking kidding me? I, would, I, I rejoice when my, when my appointments cancel. Now that's what you're thinking, right? And I'm simply saying to you, it's especially hard for you and let me talk to my extrovert friends. You know what? You are so much the life of the party that sometimes you don't connect in intimate relationship. So whatever, whatever spectrum you're on, the reality is, is it's hard work to maintain a lengthy relationship. I have a friend that I have known, the guy who led me to Christ, uh, I just talked to yesterday. And he's a guy that I can call at any time, anywhere, any moment. And I know that he's going to pick up that phone or answer my text and we're going to have a conversation about whatever's going on in my life or in his life. That's the kind of relationship. We've had this relationship for 46 years. And it is a strong binding relationship. That's what everybody needs inside of your life. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do to make sure that happens in your life? Because you know that the evil one is warring against you. Do you understand that? Hello? Do you under, let me try that one more time. Do you understand that you have an enemy that wants to separate you and destroy you? If that's the case, you've got to take steps to overcome that. That is so important for you to, ha for you to understand. Barrier number two, not only do we have an external enemy, Satan works from the outside in, but we also have an internal enemy called the flesh. So the second barrier we have to overcome is this thing that the Bible identifies as the flesh. The flesh is, let me just define it for you, is that part of my life that, that is not yet surrendered to Christ. My flesh is that part of my old sinful nature that has not surrendered itself to Christ. You all understand that when I was born and you were born in this world, we were born as enemies and we were completely given over to rebelliousness to God. That's the truth. That's what Scripture says. So when I get saved, the moment I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into my life, seals me. I now have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, seals me until the day of my redemption. But the reality is that creates great conflict for me because there's part of me that is still rebellious. And there's part of you that still doesn't want anybody to tell you what to do, right? Come on now, don't just stare at me. It's true, isn't it? There's part of you that it's still, you're still surrendering yourself to this old nature. So Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 17. Let me show you this to you from the Bible. Galatians 5, 17 says, the old sinful nature loves to do evil. Isn't that true? There's part of you that rejoices in evil. There's part of all of us that rejoices in evil. I'm gonna admit it to you. I'm just gonna tell you this out loud. Sometimes in movies, I root for the bad guy. I'm just saying, that's that rebellious part of me. And uh, not often, but every once in a while, I root for the bad guy. And sometimes Hollywood projects the bad guy as the good guy. And then I'm really confused, right? I don't know who to root for. And so, so inside of me is this spiritual warfare that's going on because of this sinful nature that I still haven't surrendered to Christ. So the old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So there's this raging conflict that goes on inside of me, whether I'm going to love you or hate you. There is. And there is a raging conflict that goes inside of you, whether you're going to surrender or don't surrender. And there's sometimes you master it, and sometimes you just give in to evil. Is that not true? Hello? Come on now, let's just be honest. Let's be, let's be broken and honest and just simply say, this is a reality, and this creates a problem for me when it comes to having intimate relationships with others. So it's like this. This is the best way I can explain the conflict between the, the Holy Spirit that lives in me and this new person that I have been born again into and the old person who sometimes rejoices in evil. It's like this. When you go through the grocery checkout line at most stores, there is typically two kinds of magazines in the front. They know how to sell you stuff, right? So there's typically two kinds of magazines. One is, say, like a shirtless picture of Ryan Gosling and the other is a picture of a chocolate cake. I mean, okay, you think about that. Those two things can't cohabitate together. You can't have both. You can't have a body like him and have, a ch and have chocolate cake every day. So there's a, that's the nature of what goes on inside of every single one of us. And so we have to surrender our life to Christ. And let me talk about the consequences when I don't. It, you know, the truth is, is that the fruit of the flesh are things that always alienate us from others. These are the fruits of the flesh. Things like selfishness is a fruit of the flesh. Anybody here ever surrender to selfishness? Hello? Am I just speaking to me here today? Or am I speaking to an audience? That I, hope, I, I, can, I can actually hear the people online louder than I can hear you all here on, on, on property. Things like selfishness, strife. Do you ever get in conflicts? Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, things like that. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. Immorality of all sorts. Those are all in the Bible described as fruits of the flesh. That part of me that has not been, been brought under the redemption that Christ has for them. And after the sin happened in the Garden of Eden, this is what happened. This is the, this is the result of the flesh in life. So after, the, after Adam and Eve fell into sin, the very first thing they did is they, they hid from God, Right? And then they hid from one another. And how do they do that? They recognized that they were naked for the very first time and they started sowing fig leaves so that they could cover themselves up. And then, as a result, they became very conscious of self. Think about that. Up until that point, they were just focused on the beauty of the garden, the beauty of one another. But when sin entered the world, it began to have a major impact on their condition and their soul. And now they're measuring themselves by themselves. And, and uh, self-consciousness makes us so aware of, of 
other people's downfalls and my downfalls. And now we have this division and we, as a result, we become hiders from each other. Because if I really get, if I really let you know who I am, I, I'm afraid that you might not like me. <laughs> I just had a thought, maybe this is a bad thought, but what if your thoughts, we took your thoughts for an entire week and we projected them on the screen and just went through them one by one in your life. And, you, you know, you'd be mortified, wouldn't you? I would be. I would be. You know, you know that guy that I'm driving down the road and it cuts me off and I'm thinking really bad thoughts about God's vengeance at that moment in time and maybe me taking things into my own hands. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But the reality is, is that what happens is, is that we become afraid of exposure and then we go into hiding. And that hiding, that's exactly the will of the enemy for us. That's what Satan wanted to do to Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what he's doing to us today is that creates a barrier. We hide from God which is ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous to try to hide from God, but then it's just as ridiculous to try to hide from one another because eventually we'll be found out. And in the, real, the reality is, is that what, what happened in the garden is now, instead of it being all about God, it now becomes all about me. I become the center of my universe. And me being the center of of my universe and you being the center of your universe creates a natural barrier between the two of us because there can only be one king, right? And that's what couples find in marriage. Amen? Is there can only be, you know, and that's why there's so much conflict because, because everybody wants my way, my way, want me. I want, to, I want to be taken care of. I want and you can go on and on and on. And so the devil attacks us from the outside. The flesh attacks us from the inside and strangles us from any desire to be spiritual. C.S. Lewis said this. C.S. Lewis said, All that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, is a long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Something other than God. So barrier number two is the flesh. And that flesh is a reality for my life every day. And we're going to talk about some solutions of how we then master that flesh in just a minute. But barrier number three is now the culture around us. So now we have this third element called the world, the culture around us. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, this is what the Bible says. I'm reading out of the message now because this captures the idea of what really 1 John chapter 2 says, so let me just read it to you. It says, don't love the world's ways. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. So the world system is a system that works against us. It's the world we live. It's the, our thinking patterns. And here's the reality is that I'm assuming there are no aliens among us. I'm assuming you're not from another planet. My assumption is that you're from planet Earth, right? Raise your hand if you're not. Oh, I almost caught somebody. Yes, I almost caught. You, you jumped the gun and they're raising your hand there. So I'm assuming that everybody's human. And here's the reality. You were born into a broken world with broken systems and broken, broken thinking. Your school system is broken. 
Your higher education is broken. Everything is broken because it's contrary normally to the will of God. So we live and we're raised with thinking that is dysfunctional and way out there. And here's the sad part is that we don't even know it's true. We don't even know. We can't see that the thinking patterns of our life are just wrong before God. And so we go on in this, this world like blind people stumbling around trying to find light. And it is a sad thing. The world sets us up in such a way as then to isolate us. So here's how it works out. So I drive. This afternoon I got, I'm going to probably go get some gas. So I'll drive to the gas pump. I'll jump out. I don't have to talk to anybody. I'll pump my own gas. I'll put my card in. And I have to have no human interaction whatsoever. The world system, the system that we live in, creates a, a sense of brokenness for us. And so I, I can, then I'll go home and I'll look at my computer and, and there's lots of things I might do. I might play computer games. Not that computer games are evil, but I'm just saying we've found so many ways to create isolation for us that it is just a broken system of thinking that we live in. And then as you think about COVID in this world, everything about us is set up for alienation, for isolation. And then, as you think about that even more, you think about being separated from relationships, and that's bad, but what about then us clinging to bad relationships? So in our bad thinking, our stinking thinking, sometimes what happens is, is that we get attracted to the wrong person or persons. So let's talk about the devastation of that. So I'm going to do that by telling you a story. So you all know Samuel Clemens, who is also known as Mark Twain. Almost everybody has heard, if you've been to school, you've read some of his stuff. Mark Twain uh, hated Christianity, had a deep contempt for Christians and for what they believed. And yet I see Christians posting quotes from him all the time, but he hated Christianity. He once referred to it as a slaughterhouse of religion because of the death of Jesus was like this blood stuff was too much for him. And so he was an outspoken, outspoken critic of Christianity. So he met a girl. Her name was Olivia Langdon. And uh, he fell in love with her. And uh, for some time, she was raised in a Christian home, confessed Christ as her Lord and Savior. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it, she was a beautiful Christian being. And somehow he convinced her, he kind of toned down his anti-Christian talk, convinced her to marry him, so they got married. And as soon as they got married, he went back to his old ways. He started, he started blasting Christianity, thought it was stupid, thought it was ridiculous, thought it was evil, whatever. He just didn't like, he was not a friend of Christianity. And then as time goes on, they lose everything. This couple loses everything they own. And eventually they had a death in their family, the death of their daughter. And this so devastated Olivia that she fell into, she fell into despair. So much so that Twain had no idea what to do with her. Had no idea how to help her. So eventually he goes and he says to her, Livy, if it will help you, I don't know that it can, but if it will help you, why don't you go back and be comforted by your old faith? 
To which she responded, I have no faith. He had convinced her by his ways and by his words that Christianity was so dysfunctional that she had nothing left for, from her faith. So a bad connection, what happens is, is that Satan does one of two things. Either he pushes us from good connections or he pushes us to bad connections. Either one is just as destructive as the other. And pretty soon we find ourselves without faith in our lives. So the results of spiritual warfare, the results of the flesh, the external conflict, the internal conflict, and the result of the world are, are four things. And these four things, there's probably more, that this is, this is what happens in the world that we live. The first result is there is this wild sense of individualism. In our culture, individualism is worshipped. You can't tell me what to do. I'm my own man, right? So we're pushed to this rugged individualism. Whether you're a man or a woman, it kind of it fleshes itself out perhaps differently. But individualism is the god of our culture. No one's going to tell me what to do. And isolation is the result of this warfare that goes on around us and in us. And unnatural competitiveness. I'm just going to tell you. Then we become, what's left then is this unnatural competitiveness. And so, it, you know, it just, it's destructive inside of relationships. It just is. I'm just going to be honest with you. I am competitive to a fault. And if you play a game with me, my purpose is to destroy you. We're not talking about relationship anymore. You know, I don't care about your feelings. I don't care if you cry at the end of the game. In fact, if you cry, it's even better. I'm going to do my little happy dance, you know. I'm just going to do my little happy dance, and I win. I win. I realize that's my flesh, okay. But I say that to just get you to understand. There's this, in our culture, this unnatural competitiveness competitive spirit and then there's a separation from one another and separation from God does that describe the culture that you and I are living in today individualism isolation unnatural competitiveness separation from God himself that's the culture that you and I live so I'm going to spend the next three minutes and 47 seconds figuring out to how to help you fix this in your life so you better pay attention because this is going to go quick you ready so listen to me very quickly this is important what are the solutions? First of all, we have to resist the work of the devil. That's the first step. How in the world do you do that? How do you resist the work of the devil? I can't even see him. How do I resist something I can't see? Well, the Bible tells us exactly how to do it. Exactly how to do it. And there are not two ways. There's not three ways. There's not ten ways. There's one way. God tells us what we're supposed to do. And that is that every day we get up, we're supposed to humble ourselves before God and the devil flees from us. That's what the Bible tells us to do. I don't have to fight my enemy. God fights him for me. What I've got to do is humble myself. As I humble myself, and what I mean by humble myself, I, this is what I mean. I mean living in a lifestyle where I recognize that my next breath comes from God and that everything about me who I am today, what accomplishments I've made, all are because somebody else helped me to get where I'm at. Somebody sacrificed, somebody encouraged, and God in his sovereignty placed me where I'm supposed to be. So everything about me is the product of something other than me. And when I recognize that, it humbles me. 
And if I won't humble myself, God will humble me for, he'll humble, my, humble me uh, in spite of my rebelliousness. He will. So the first ingredient is humility. I've got to walk humbly before God. And then the second solution is just as simple is that how do you counteract the fruits of the flesh in my life? Because the fruit of the flesh alienates people. How do I get rid of the fruit of the flesh in my life? It's very simple. There's not two ways. There's not three ways. There's one way. I abide in Jesus. And by abiding in the vine, he produces good fruit. And that good fruit chokes out the bad fruit. That's how it works. As the Spirit of God flows through me, it produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, of which there is no law against. There's no, there's no way to combat that when you have that in your life. And I'm telling you, when you have that in your life, there's no room. It crowds out all the other garbage that's called the flesh when I abide in Him. And that's, it's just as simple as that. And then... We choose, we, there's a third decision, we choose not to be conformed to the thinking patterns of the world. So how do I do that? How do I choose not to be conformed to the thinking patterns of the world? First of all, I recognize and I admit to myself, and this is the first and most important step to take, is that I am broken. I'm broken. I don't know if you know this, but your pastor is a mess. And what's even scarier is you come to hear me every weekend. And I'm a mess. I'm just telling you, I'm a mess. I recognize my brokenness. That's the first step. The first step is to recognize that you're not as good as you think you are and that your thinking is really twisted. And you don't even, and here's the scary part, we don't even know it. Until we engage in the Bible. So what is the solution? Recognize that I'm broken. And then how do I not be conformed to the patterns of this world? I just begin to read the Bible every day. And here's the deal. Listen to me very carefully. I don't read the Bible for information about God. I don't. I read it for transformation. That's what I need. I need I, and the result is that I get to know God. But I'm just telling you, I don't read the Bible for information. I read it for transformation. And that's why you need to be in the Bible every day. Listen to me very carefully. Your thinking is so messed up that you need the slow process of God using the Scripture to conform you to His image and not yours and not this world's. That's the truth. That's how God wants to work it out in your life. And that's why Satan will do everything he can to keep you away from the Bible every day. It's not that you need more information. Half the time I forget what I read. It's the process of transformation that I'm interested in and I think that God is interested in. And over 43 years of studying the Bible every day, God has transformed how I think. And I can't recognize it at times, but others around me can. Wow, that you think differently than you used to. That's the process of how God changes a life, and it's a process of how we stop being alienated. Jesus said, God said in, in Genesis chapter 1, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suited for him. God knew 
that it was not good for us to be alone. And Satan knows that he wins if we're alone. So his strategy is spiritual warfare, the flesh, and the devil. Or, or, and, the, and the world, I'm sorry, and the world. That's his strategy. And if you, don't, if you surrender to that, then you are surrendering right into the hands of what the evil one has for your life. And the only way out is by humility, by the abiding in Christ, and by every day making a choice not to be conformed to the image of this world by letting the word transform your mind in Christ Jesus. That makes sense to you? So what are you going to do about it? Because if you would just walk out of here and choose not to do anything about it, here's the reality, is that you're just a churchgoer. But you need to be a community. You need to be in the community. That's such an important element. So, Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you, God, that the truth sets us free. And thank you, God, that we have the privilege of obeying you, the most amazing God in the, in the, in the universe. Thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.